Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Can you believe it's here? Father's Day, I was trying to milk it as much as I could this weekend. I'm like, do I have to do that? My wife's like, yeah, you do. I'm like, okay, so much for Father's Day. She goes, that's tomorrow. I'm like, this is Father's Day Eve. No, but she took great care of me yesterday. We actually uh, had our celebration yesterday, and it was awesome. Uh, She smoked three racks of ribs and a beef brisket. She did. She's smoking hot. You know know what I'm saying. But uh, she (laughs) she did an awesome job, and so I enjoyed that and have more of that to enjoy today. How many know that ribs are not of the devil? Pork is clean according to the vision Peter had. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Hey, is there any dads here this morning? A few of you? Happy Father's Day. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. I've got my dad here with me today, which is so cool. I'm not nervous at all. And... uh, no, but it's, it's great having our fathers here. Fathers, really, they can speak into our lives in such a way, can't they? And it's not just to, you know, biological fathers. There's many people, I believe, who take on that spirit of fatherhood, and they father others. And so we really just want to celebrate you and say thank you so much. I want to pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fathers here this morning. You know, many times it's not the easiest task. It's not the easiest way to responsibility. But for many of us, we've taken it serious. We see the validity. We see the importance of, of, of children having a father. And so I just ask that you bless the men in here, those fathers, those fathering spirits. Give them strength and encouragement and wisdom in Jesus' name. We thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. And so at many times, we have to tap into that grace. We, do, we don't have to be tough or act bigger than we are. We just say, God. I can't do this on my own. So I thank you for special grace this morning to the dads here. Bless them in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. We we have a special gift for you uh, on your way out, a special treat. So make sure you grab that uh, for the fathers and enjoy that. I want to get started in our uh, message this morning. And we've been, this is the third week now on a series we've been doing called Unstuck. Say unstuck. And so today we're continuing in that series We've been talking about the areas of our life where a lot of times maybe we feel like we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. You ever felt like your life's just been in a rut? We come to this point where we really want to maybe separate from some old ideas that we've had about God, ourselves, about life. You know, in fact, the definition of unstuck, it, it is a word, by the way. I was telling this the first week we did this. That when Pastor Chris and I were talking about the series, I thought, unstuck, is that a word? So I looked it up. And the actual definition in the dictionary was the past or past participle of unstick. Like, okay, so I looked up unstick. You want to know the definition of unstick? The past or past participle of unstuck. So I just was going in circles at this point. But there is, thank God we can scroll down a little bit on on Google and see the definition of unstuck is this, to become separated or unfastened. How many would say there's areas in our life where we need to become separated, not from people, maybe certain relationships, and unfastened, mainly from old ideas. Romans 12, 2, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So a lot of times we have to change that thinking. We have to have a paradigm shift in areas of our life. And so the last couple weeks, uh, we've been talking about things like becoming unstuck in my faith, 
week one. Unstuck in my finances, week two. I lost somebody on that one. And today I want to talk about becoming unstuck in my fatherhood. Imagine that on Father's Day. Now, what I want us to do, though, because ladies, don't turn off on me right now. If you're not a father, this is for you as well. Because I truly believe this, that proper fatherhood perspective comes from our Heavenly Father. And so as we go through some points today, I really, I do like this series because it's been a lot more practical, practical teaching for us, things that we can apply to our life. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to not only see our role as fathers in this house, but I also want us to see Heavenly Father's role in our life. So I believe everybody can glean something from this. Because if we think about father figures in our life, our fathers could have been great. I I said this before, but I've been extremely blessed to have a dad who was a great father. Now, was he perfect? No, there's no perfect father, but he was a great father. He would discipline and love. He had my, my best interest in mind. I didn't always like what he said or agree. That's why I moved out at 19. And then I learned that he was more right than I had even imagined. Amen. Right? That, that, yeah. Thanks, Dad. I'll get one amen there. But it's true, right? But for some of us, maybe we just had an okay dad. For some of us, maybe we had a downright horrible father. I've heard some of your stories. And so what happens is a lot of times I think what we do is, is we project the father that we've had onto the heavenly father. That's where we get these ideas of a father who is angry and retributive and he's looking to get you at every corner if he can. Let me say, we have a good, good father. And so that's something that sometimes we have to shift in our thinking. So again, you know, maybe our fathers weren't the best examples of a father to us. Maybe for some of us, we had religious or spiritual abuse that has beaten us up through legalism or manipulation in the church setting. So whether it's your earthly father or whether it's maybe religion or church, we can grow up with this really messed up view of males and fathers. And by translation, or like I said, projection, a really messed up view of God, our Heavenly Father. So I want to correct some of that this morning, if I can. And then I think in turn, we as fathers, because the greater one lives on the inside of us, this is the cool thing about the new covenant. No longer do we have to go to temples made with human hands. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God resides in you. We are literally incarnations. This is so cool. Jesus was the first incarnation, God in flesh. Do you realize that you are incarnations running around this earth? But see, some of us, we've lost our identity. We don't know who we truly are. And so we operate out of a false identity, not our true identity. So even though a religious system has given us a messed up perspective of God, Jesus gives us a different picture of who he is. I love this in the Gospel of John. So Jesus, in this verse 6 of chapter 14 of John, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen to this statement. He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. Now this is huge. Jesus was saying, listen, if you want to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, you first have to see it through me so you can identify what that is, what that means, what that looks like. 
We see all through scripture that Jesus actually came to display who God was, to show us the heart of the Father. In fact, in verse 7, he says, if you had really known me, look at this, you would know who my Father is. Now, this is a powerful statement. We read this in the 21st century, think, yeah, it's Jesus. But at this time, in first century Judaism, to call God Father, let alone to say, if you have really known me, you'd known the Father, was almost blasphemous. I mean, Jesus could have been called the first heretic, probably, of Judaism, because he was born a Jew under the law, and many times he's preaching law to the law livers, but many times he's also prophesying about the future to come, this new covenant, which, by the way, we're in. Can I get an amen? Isn't it awesome? But look at this. He says, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, these are powerful words. Verse 8. Look at Philip. He says, this, the apostle Philip. Now, I think he meant well when he, when he asked this question or asked this statement. He says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Now, this is kind of funny. Like, if you're really reading it, Jesus just said, hey, guys, if you see me, you've seen the Father. This is the Father. It's on display. And Philip goes, hey, Jesus, can you show us the Father? What? I just told you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus replied, he says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me, catch this, has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now I want us to catch this because he's describing what our life looks like. See, sometimes we, we look in the mirror, we see our faults, we see our issues, and we think, well, there's no way that God's with me today. Right? Like he, he leaves and he comes back and he leaves and he comes back. He promised to never leave you. But while he's here, he's going to train you. He's going to discipline you. He's going to show you who you truly are so you'll walk that out. Does that make sense? He says, the words I speak are not my own, but my father who lives in me does his work through me. This is just like our lives. So let me say something. Let me take the pressure off, dads, just a little bit. It doesn't mean that we don't have things to do. We all have things to do. But look at this. God is within us, and he's living his life through us. He's got our back. So let me say, you can do these things we're going to talk about today, but it's not through self-effort or trying harder. It's resting in him and realizing, okay, I can do this because you've already provided everything I need. The fruit the good works, it's already in there. It's like that pasta sauce back in the 80s. It's in there, right? It's already in there. But can we see the truth of that in our own lives? I, I like how Francois de Troyes translates it here in the Mirror Bible. Verse 10, he says, Are you not convinced that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? We are in seamless union. The words that I speak to you are not my independent opinion or ideas. The Father in me addresses you. This conversation then translates into the Father's action. Look at this, unveiled in my doing. Say, that's me. Isn't that awesome? See, if we look at what Jesus says and does, I believe that we get a consistently clear picture of the character of God. This is what Jesus came to display. This is what he came to show us. In fact, in, I believe it's the gospel of John chapter five, Jesus says, I'm telling you this straight, kind of my own vernacular here. He says, the son can't independently do a thing. In other words, I can't do anything on my own. I only do what I see the father doing. What did Jesus do? He loved the unlovable. 
He showed grace to those who weren't gracious. He healed the sick. Get this. He forgave people left and right. See, this blows my mind. Like when you read that and you're like, wait a minute, where's the, where's the bloodshed? Because they would have to go to a temple. But Jesus was displaying what love looks like. Love forgives all the time. And a lot of times people couldn't receive their healing. It wouldn't manifest until they knew they were forgiven. Because, you know, we hold stuff against ourselves, don't we? Oh, we don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Guess what? It's a finished work. And finished means exactly that, finished. So if you're looking for healing in your life, whether it be physically or, or, or in, your, in your soul, something like that, first you have to realize that you have a father who loves you, but secondly, he has forgiven you, past, present, and future. You're forgiven. He's not withholding anything from you based on your actions, but your actions change as you identify the truth of who you are. Isn't that cool? So he says, listen, whatever the father does, the son does. He says, the father loves the son. See, Jesus understood this loving relationship that he had with the father and includes him in everything he is doing. If we're looking to become unstuck in our fatherhood, our role as father should come first by looking at our heavenly father, God. What is his role what are his actions? What are his responses? And then what happens is we focus on him and all of a sudden it's almost by accident. It's the craziest thing. I realized this in this life of Christianity, the way following Jesus, that as I follow Jesus, when I focus my focus on him and what he's done, it's like things that I used to do or think or say suddenly just fall away because I, I realize who I am. Because it all comes down to identity. We talk about almost every week we speak on identity. Because if you get identity right, guess what? You'll walk right in this life. Now, I was thinking about this. When my children were born, it was just the most breathtaking experience in my life. I mean, there's nothing like seeing your children born. I cried every time. I'll just be honest with you. I was just like a blubbery fool and I could barely even see like my sons because, you know, I, I was just so teared up over it and overjoyed over it. And I just remember that experience. It was just this flood of tears. But what happens in time? We tend to forget the beauty of that moment, don't we? And it's because kids are uh, kids, Right? I mean, that beautiful moment you remember was so, so wonderful, but then they begin to grow up and, and we, forget, we, we tend to forget the beauty of that moment several months later because all of a sudden they start to develop their own will, their own ways, their own emotions. And for me, I really have this opportunity every time to operate in love. See, I have four children and three of them are strong-willed. Someone could say, well, you, you reap what you sowed. Well, okay. But see, I'm strong-willed too, and so we butt heads a lot, right? So I have three kids, they're strong-willed, and so I wrestle with this. And, and I'll be honest with you, there's times where I don't correct out of love. And I think I'm getting better at it. You're like, well, I hope so. Your oldest is 30. Okay, give me a little grace this morning. But you know, I struggle at times to discipline or to correct in love. It's not the easiest thing to do. You know, our kids can be strong-willed. I was thinking about this story. Uh, Aiden was about five years old, and Krista and I, we were, we were talking one day. I think they had just got out of school for the summer, and we are having a conversation about our schedule and how that was going to work and the kids being watched. And I remember Aiden looks up, and he says, Hey, Dad, uh, do I have a day off? 
And I'm like, and I kind of chuckled. I said, well, well, yes, you do, buddy. It's like you're five. Isn't every day a day off? Right? Wouldn't it be nice to go back to that life sometimes? But he says, do I have a day off? I said, yeah, buddy, of course you do. He's like, cool, I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> Is that what days off are? Do whatever. I, I'm going to use that one, right? I kind of chuckled a little bit. But we got home from work that day. And I remember walking in, and, and I was like, hey, Aiden, what's up? And he just beelines for the door. He's going outside to play. And I said, hey, hey, you're not listening. What's going on? He goes, oh, it's my day off. I can do anything I want. And at that moment, I had this place of, of do I laugh at this, or do I just bring down the hammer of my fatherly authority right now? But see, I've had those moments. My point is, I've had moments in correction and discipline where I haven't done it right. How many can attest to that? I believe in discipline. Discipline is extremely important, but discipline should be training your children for their future. It should be showing them who they truly are. A lot of times we fall into the mode where we believe discipline is punishing them for their past. Whenever punishment's involved, there's something off. Let me just tell you. But it should be a training moment for them to show them who they truly are. See, that's what love does. That's how the Father is with us. Do you follow me so far? And for me, sometimes I could be maybe out in public and my children would do something and it would embarrass me. And I would realize later when I got home, my discipline was more of a punishment to them because they embarrassed me. But see, that wasn't correct. It should be, here's a situation and here's what happened. Now there's consequences for your actions, but if it's out of love, it's always with the heart of, I want to train you so you can become better as a human being. So you can become more to who God has made you to be. Not so I can punish you or pay you back for what you did to me. And how many know that's not easy all the time? And it's something that I've had to struggle with. But I, I think within this, we've got to see that if we grew up in a household where maybe it was uh, punitive or retributive, then sometimes we see God in that light, and that's not who Jesus showed us the Father was. Does he correct? Absolutely. Does he discipline? Absolutely. But it's always with your best interest in mind. It's always this training opportunity to show you who you truly are. And you know what? Whenever I whenever I take that route, it seems like my kids get it quicker, right? But there's times where I've even had to go to my kids and say, I'm sorry. I don't think we realize how far apologies will go. Listen, men, apologizing to your children doesn't make you less than. It doesn't make you smaller in their eyes. It makes you bigger. It makes you approachable. And they know daddy has got my back no matter what. I want my kids to realize this. I want them to see this in their life. Again, discipline is important, but proper discipline isn't punishment. It's training. So let's take a moment and look at the character of our Heavenly Father this morning. I believe that we need a true picture of the Father to counter the distorted picture handed down to us by bad family memories and religion. But... I also believe this will help us to get a better idea of what it looks like for us in fathering our own children. Can I get an amen, guys? So four characteristics of God as a father. We're going to go in teaching mode this morning, but I want us to hear this. And again, I want us to see that, first of all, this is how the Heavenly Father is with us, but also this is how we can be with our children. Number one, Heavenly Father is a giver. Say that with me. Heavenly Father is a giver. 
See, any picture that we have of God, it needs to be seen through Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews says this, that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Listen to this, the exact representation of his being. This is who Jesus is. Jesus has got to be the lens that we see the heavenly father through. To get a good understanding of God's character, what do we do? We look to Jesus. Now, real famous scripture, John 10, 10. Jesus is speaking here and he's speaking specifically in in the context of this, he's speaking to the law and to religion and more specifically the religious leaders. He's talking about, he describes us as sheep, really not us. He was describing the Jews he was talking to as sheep and they're in this fold. He was talking about him being a good shepherd, but he said that there's some who will sneak in, talking about the religious leaders at the time, sneak in and snatch you up and bring you under this yoke of bondage. And he says this in 1010, the thief, which really is religion, which really is this idea of these religious leaders who were getting them caught up in this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. See, context is important, but look at this. I have come, speaking to Jews at the time, listen, this system has got you so wrapped up, so in bondage, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now again, if we see Jesus, he's the exact representation of the Father. So we could say that the Heavenly Father came through Jesus. Listen, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is the beauty of the cross. God was there with him. God didn't go anywhere. And we can go through a whole teaching about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How many know Jesus had a human emotion? But he was quoting out of Psalm 22. And by the end of the Psalm, you see that he says, you have never hidden your face from me. It's beautiful. Jesus felt those feelings just like you and I do. But at the same time, God didn't go anywhere. But look, we could say that God came that we may have life and have it to the full. The message puts it like this. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is the life that the Father desires for us. So all of our questions regarding the true nature of God are answered in Jesus. I've made this quote quite a few times, but I love this quote by John Sheesby. He's a pastor and author. He says, Jesus' entire life was one long streaming video that displayed the goodness of the Father. So what's the point? If you've been given something good, then give thanks to God. Thank your heavenly Father for it. But if you've been robbed, don't blame God. He's not behind your loss. In fact, James says this in James 1.17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift. And then he says this. He says, who does not change like shifting shadows. He's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. How many know that shadows can shift around through the day depending on where the light source is? God's not like that. He's not shifty. He doesn't change his mind. He's not wavering in his thinking. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And then in Romans, the Apostle Paul says that God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. Think about that. God doesn't give and then take away. Now, I know Job said that, and it was a, a statement that he truly stated but it wasn't truth. 
How many know when we look in the Old Testament, we need to take Jesus with us? If we wander around in the Old Testament without Jesus, we're going to get some stuff pretty jacked up. And some some things were said that I believe they truly believed was true. But then I see that Jesus, this is what blows my mind, is Jesus would literally change scripture interpretation. We just read over it and don't realize. But it's like when he quoted Isaiah, he took all the anger and retribution out of it. And it says that they were, they were just amazed at how he spoke. And the way it's translated in English is kind of like, because shortly after that, they tried to kill him. The amaze was like, are you kidding me? You're changing stuff around Jesus? It wasn't like, oh, you're so holy. We're, here, we're hearing every word you say. No, no, it irritated the heck out of them. And they tried to kill him. But Jesus said one thing. Joshua said, God told me to kill 144,000 people. And then Jesus said, nope, you love your enemies. Who do you believe? I'm going to believe Jesus. So listen, what's beautiful about the Old Testament is they didn't try to make it pretty. They didn't try to change it around so it looked pretty. They, they actually, these are real people dealing with, with their real mentality of who God was. And if you actually, I heard someone's actually putting an Old Testament together that's in chronological order. Because what you'll see is you'll see that they were slowly changing their mind about who God was all the way up until Jesus. And then Jesus said, look at this is who the Father is. It's beautiful. So we don't take any of that out. We just have to realize sometimes that we have to go with what Jesus said, not with what someone in the old covenant said at times, because they just didn't have a a proper, true picture of who God was. At at one point, they actually began to offer their children as sacrifices in the Valley of Hinnom. I mean, and this is something God forbade. I mean, that's what the lesson that Abraham learned, is that this God doesn't expect human or children sacrifice. That was the big lesson that he learned in the binding of Isaac. And so it's important that we see this process and that we're all growing in the revelation of who the Father is up until Jesus. And I believe we still are learning. How about you? But by comparison, how's our attitude in giving to our children? Do our children ever feel like they have to earn things? Now, again, I don't have an issue with you know, some chores. I had chores growing up. I had an allowance. It was a beautiful thing. I learned that working is important, but I'm talking about just the necessities of life, love, grace, wisdom, time. Do our kids ever feel like we're not generous? Do they feel like they have to earn these things from us or do they know us as generous givers? Now, listen, guys, all of us can struggle in this. So no one, no one is allowed today to walk out with condemnation in their life. What I'm doing is showing us who the Heavenly Father is. And because he resides in us, we can do the same things. Does that make sense? So number one, Heavenly Father is a giver. Number two, Heavenly Father is a rescuer. I love this word, rescuer. He's in the rescuing business. That word rescue actually is one of the definitions of the word salvation. It's preservation, safety, wholeness, healing, deliverance, and rescue. He's in the salvation business, amen? And so Heavenly Father is a rescuer. I love this story in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, and verses 12 through 14. He's telling this parable. He says, what do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? 
If it turns out that he finds it, look at this, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the other 99 which have not gone astray. Verse 14, so it is not the will, say that with me, not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones perishes. Why? Because heavenly father is a rescuer. He's just in the rescuing business. What we see here is not a God who is angry or frustrated because you ran off, but a God who is tender-hearted and desires to rescue. Say that with me, rescue. He desires to rescue. I do think it's kind of funny that we're called sheep here. <laughs> you know that sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the planet? Now, get, now listen, it isn't like God's saying you're dumb, but how many have done some pretty dumb things? Yeah, I think all of them, I'm going to raise, if I could raise all of them, I would. Pretty dumb things. Ask my parents. They're here this morning. Maybe don't. But dumb decisions, uh, uh, you know, dumb choices, um, wandered away, straight away, just like a sheep would. And he makes this comparison. But do you see what actually happens? Think about this. When something actually happens, like we wander off or we really do dumb things, what does God do? Jesus says that he pursues you. He leaves the 99 to find the one that's lost. What is Jesus saying? He's saying Jesus is, is the God that is pursuing you because he wants to be with you and he loves you. For some of us, we gotta, this has got to click this morning. This is for somebody. He wants to be with you. He desires to be with you. He truly loves you. No matter what you're doing or you're going through, you have a heavenly father who is right there with you pursuing you, desiring relationship with you, and get this, wanting the best for you. Heavenly Father is a rescuer. So, do my kids know that I am there for them? I'm asking myself this question. I'm asking you as fathers to ask yourself that question this morning. Do they know that dad will be there to rescue them in times of need? Our kids need to know that we're there for them. And it's so easy when your kid wanders off or they make a dumb decision to go the other way and say, that was really dumb. So we talked about this last week in generosity, didn't we? That many times we, we offer help, but within the help, we wrap a little shame in there. Been there, done that. Well, if you would have listened to me, they didn't listen to you. They need help right now. <laughs> and as dads, it's so easy to get into the, the preachy mode or the, listen, it, it's an opportunity to train, but man, if you're in love and you're in love mode, you're not bringing shame. You're pointing to the repercussions or consequences, but saying, you know what? I believe in you and I trust you. You ever thought about that, that God actually trusts you? He trusts you enough to put the fruit of the spirit in you and good works in you and say, you can do it. That's huge because we're not robots. He's not going to force us to do anything, but he's saying, I know that you can do this. And by the way, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm your help. I'm your hope. I'm your fortress. Isn't that awesome? I'm your strength. You don't have to do this on your own. See, think about this. I can tell my children over and over and over again that I love them. But if I never spend any time with them, do you think they'll believe me? And what's beautiful about this is God never leaves us. 
He's always spending time with us. He's proving his love. Do you know he proved his love on a crucifix? No greater love does a man have than this than to lay his life down for another. And he allowed us to kill him. The prophets and the disciples said, we killed Jesus. He didn't have to let us, but he chose to say, this is love on full display. The beauty of the resurrection, it was God's vindication of the Jesus way. How you're living is not right. The right way to live is a kingdom that's built on righteousness, which is right relationship, peace, and joy. Not anger, hatred, war, and retribution. Two different systems. Which system will you follow? And that's what put Jesus on the cross. Now listen, I want to remind you that this message isn't meant to bring condemnation this morning. It's not meant to make you feel lower. It's not meant to make you feel like you don't measure up. It's a reminder that because God resides in you and he lives through you, you can be like our heavenly father in all of these areas. You can be a gracious giver. You can be a rescuer. Why? Because our heavenly father is and he lives on the inside of us. Amen? I really think that we need to get to a place where we can allow him to live his life through us because he's not going to force it. Get to a place where we talked about two weeks ago, the first week, where we become unstuck in our faith or our trust saying, I know that you have my best interest in mind and so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to just fall back into what you say about me. I'm going to fall back into you, Heavenly Father, to learn how to be a good father. Because how many would desire to be a good, good father just like their good, good father? I do. So no condemnation this morning. And here's the cool thing. Our kids benefit from all this. Isn't that awesome? So number one, what's number one? Heavenly Father's a giver. Number two, he's a rescuer. Number three, Heavenly Father values you. Say that with me. Heavenly Father values you. Make it personal. Heavenly Father values me. In the Gospel of Matthew, we just flip back a couple chapters of chapter 6, verse 25 and 26. Jesus says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at this in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. I love Jesus. He's just always, hey, look at the farmer. Look at the birds. Look at all this stuff around us. Look at that vineyard. It's just so cool. But he says this, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. And I love this last question. Are you not of more value than they? I just think it's so beautiful. Jesus came to show us the heart of the father. He's like, listen, stuff's being taken care of left and right including these birds in the air. Don't you think that you're as valuable as they are? See, he's trying to instill value to us. I believe we need to see that God has a deep concern for us. He has a deep concern for you. And this is very hard to swallow at times. For me in my life, if anyone were asking me, hey, do you think that uh, God's concerned for you? maybe, I mean, maybe not. It all depends on how I'm doing right now. I mean, this is how I'd felt in the past, not so much anymore. But it was really hard to swallow that he, he's concerned for me. We think God's so big and he's so far and he's out there. No, he's in here. 
big difference. And he has this concern for you. He is the God of all comfort, we're told by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. I believe that this shows us that God sees value in us. He deeply cares for us. And if I were to be honest, this is probably one of the biggest areas where I personally fall short. I definitely desire for my children to see their value, but many times I just let the day-to-day, the busyness, the pressure of life, I get so caught up in this that I forget to remind my children of their worth and their value. And this is huge. I believe it's so necessary that we remind our children of their worth and their value. We need to tell our kids how valuable they are, how precious they are, I believe this builds their sense of worth and their self-esteem. But as fathers, sometimes we're like, hey, I'm, I'm taking care of stuff. I'm paying bills, woman, you know, take care of the kids or I got stuff to do. And, and so, you know, it's not bad to provide and be in that, in that situation. But listen, your children need to hear your voice. They need to hear that they're worthy and that they have value in their life. I remember the story of Jesus. This happened three times, I believe, in the gospel But when Jesus came up from being baptized, he'd come out of the water, hadn't done one miracle, hadn't started ministry yet. But this voice from heaven, the heavenly father says, this is my dearly loved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, I think it's important we see there's an in and not a with. If you would have said with whom I'm well pleased, that would mean based on what you do, I'm pleased with you. But he says in whom. I'm well pleased. As fathers, are we showing the same love? I mean, we could literally say, you are my dearly loved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. I've really worked on this. Telling my children I'm pleased with you. I'm proud of you. You're making good decisions in life. It's so easy to say no more than yes. It's so easy to, when they do something wrong, to, you know, that's when we talk and speak to them sometimes, right? But what about when they're doing good things, when they're making good choices, but you know how they're going to make better choices and when, is when we instill the value of who they are. When we introduce them to the worthiness that they have of us. Because most kids, they look up to us, especially when they're young, right? And when they're teenagers, they're not sure yet, right? They go mental for a minute. I don't know what happens there. Bless them. Lord, heal them in Jesus' name. But our young kids especially, they look up to us, Right? Remember when the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit showed me that one day I was, I was walking down the sidewalk and I had Aiden's little hand and he, you know, he's little and he just looks up and he goes, Daddy, I love being with you. I love you so much. Man, they just melt you, doesn't it? But at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, that's worship. Not that he's, see, sometimes we get it all like worship is bowing down and kowtowing and you're scared and you're afraid. No, worship is adoration. My young son was saying, Daddy, I look up to you. You're so big. You're, you're, you're so magnificent. That's what we do with God. We're like, God, you're, you're so much bigger. Thank you for staying with me regardless of my actions all the time. Thank you that you're not an absentee father. You're here in my life. And he's always speaking to us saying, this is my dearly loved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. How often are we saying that to our own children? It's important. Build their sense of worth. So we're givers, we're rescuers. We instill value in them. And number four, last but certainly not least, Heavenly Father gives us identity. He gives us identity. We can make it personal. He gives me or he gives you identity. 
The Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. He says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, I don't want to get deep into this, but this idea of adoption, I know sometimes we hear of adoption here in the States, and you know we could even think, Sometimes adoptive kids are treated a little differently. Maybe they don't feel like they're quite part of the family. But, but think about this. Paul is writing to the Romans. And there was actual laws on the law books in Rome for Roman citizens. If you adopted a child, listen to this. If you adopted a child, that adopted child had more rights and privilege to the family than blood children. If your blood child did something, disgraced you, you could boot them out of the family. But by Roman law, you could never boot an adopted child out of the family. It just So now think about the context of what Paul's saying. He's not saying, yeah, God decided just to adopt you. No, what he's saying is no one can snatch you from the Father's hand. No one can take you out of this family. And because of that, with confidence, you can say or cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are, what? Children of God. But see, Heavenly Father gives us this sense of identity. Abba, Father, it's sonship. We are his children. We can call him daddy. It's, it's not our best old English prayers, Father God, thou art all. And you can pray however you want, but sometimes we get into this mode, this, this idea of uh, it's some type of like way we have to do it, some type of system. And what we're looking for is just sometimes we just say, help, dad. I heard this one guy who was saying, my prayers are usually, uh, you take it. He says, I say that prayer morning, uh, you take it. I can't bear the weight of this. You take it. Cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You take it, Father God. It's a good prayer to have. And it doesn't make you less than. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit reminds us of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We are his children. Listen, remind your children, remind your kids that they are part of the family and that they are yours. Because I'm telling you, Having an understanding of who you are and whose you are has everything to do with how we walk in life. Everything. And so I started doing this thing with my kids, especially uh, when I'm praying for them at night. I believe it's one small thing, but it just has this big return. As I tell my children, I'm so blessed that you're my son. I'm so blessed that you're my daughter. I'm so thankful. Sometimes in my prayer, I'll just say, Heavenly Father, we thank you for peaceful sleep tonight. You give your beloved peaceful sleep. We thank you for sweet dreams and refreshing. And I'll say things like this because I want them to hear it. I'll say, thank you, Father, for giving Aiden to me. Thank you, Father, for giving Ethan to me. Now with him, I don't really tuck him in anymore. He doesn't let me. He's too cool. He's 15, right? And Jonathan's like, Dad, what are you doing over my house? It's 10 at night, right? So I get it. But see, we instill this when they're small, right? I want them to hear my words thanking the Father that he's mine, that you entrusted this soul to me. 
I want him to see the value. I want him to, to get identity of who he is. He is my child because guess what? As he grows up and I slowly hand off that responsibility to Heavenly Father, his relationship, he will see God like I was. Value, identity, a rescuer, a giver. See how important this is, dads? But again, no condemnation. Okay, you can do this because this is who you are, because this is who your heavenly father is. Does that make sense? And so I want us to be excited about this this morning, to realize that I'm a giver, I'm a rescuer, I can give value to my kids. I can tell my kids that they're mine and and tell them about their worth and give them a sense of identity. Listen, they'll make better decisions in life when they know who they are. They won't be duped so easy by someone with a smooth tongue, right? So it's important that they see this. But listen, dads, we all fall short. We, we all mess up. We, we all misstep. Uh, there's plenty of opportunities to say I'm sorry, right? As we close, I was thinking about this with my own kids. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's pretty, pretty much the same scenario. But when your kids first started to walk... Remember when they, they were crawling at first and then they got to the point where they could pull themselves up on the couch? Now just imagine that moment. You're in your living room. They're next to the couch. They're holding on with the little wobbly legs. And what do you do? You're like, maybe this is the day. And so you open your arms wide and you smile like a fool. You're like, come on. Come on. You can do it. Come on. Am I the only one? Come on. You can do it. You can do it. And they're like, they're doing the same thing, right? And they're like, they're all bobbly, you know? And you're like, you can do it, I think. You can do it. But what do they do? They try to fake, they try to fake, well, they try to fake maybe, but they try to take that first step and they step out and maybe they get a step, maybe they get two, and then they fall down and they crawl the rest of the way. Now, have you ever in that moment said, uh, excuse me, I told you to walk, not crawl, and you grab them and just threw them back to the couch? Don't raise your hand if you did. That's just. No, no. They, they attempted to take a step, but they fell. And they crawled to you. And what do you do? Yay, you scoop them up. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, face to face. So they can see their image and your image. And sometimes when you lift them up, they're just in that diaper maybe. And you see a little belly button. You just got to do some raspberries, man. Come on. And so you do and you get them giggling and laughing. You're like, okay, let's, let's do it again. And you set them up again. And you go, come on, come on, we can do it with that goofy look again. But they love it. And they give you the goofy look back. You reap what you sow. And what do they do? They step out. I say that because in this life, I believe the Father God's going, come on, you can do it. Come on, I put it in you, the fruit, the good works, it's there. Come on, you can do it. There's no scowl, there's no anger. He's saying, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. And sometimes we're like, okay, I'm going to step out in faith. And we step out and then we fall. Sometimes we rely on what we used to do and we crawl to him. But he doesn't shame us. He picks us up and he says, good job. You can do this. Let's try it again. I'm right here. So even if you're struggling, because for some of you, your children have grown grown up and grown out. They've moved out. Maybe you don't have a relationship with them and you desire that. Maybe the first step is to just reach out and say, I love you. 
sorry if I wasn't there. I'm sorry if my discipline wasn't out of love. But I love you. I care for you. For others of us, maybe we still have that opportunity. Our kids are young, they're in the household. We can shift some thinking over. And many times it's just remembering how the Father is with us. That's why we have to have that proper perspective, right? And so we get that proper perspective of who the Father is. And then we realize, wow, I'm generous. I can be a giver. I'm a rescuer. That's in me. I can give value to my children. I can give them a sense of identity. And for some of us here, maybe, maybe you've never had children, but you still have that fatherhood um, mentality and that spirit, and you're finding people that you can encourage and be generous with and give to and, and, and rescue and show them that sense of identity. People need to understand their identity, who they truly are. Amen? And I believe that these are the steps we can take to become unstuck in our fatherhood. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and you are a giver of good and perfect gifts. We can trust you. I pray this morning if there's any fathers here who are dealing with condemnation, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. There's no need to be shamed. There's no need for condemnation. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're giving us wisdom this, this morning. Christ has been made wisdom unto us. You're giving us wisdom in how to navigate as fathers, and maybe for some of us, how to win the hearts of our children back. It's not too late. You know, every week it's important that we make a confession. Now, confession simply means to agree with. It's to say the same thing as someone else. And I believe it's important. Every Sunday we do this. So with your heads bowed and, and maybe your eyes closed, I just want you to kind of find a focus point there. I want you to picture your father with his arms open saying, come on, come on, I'm right here. And I want you to say this after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. You truly love me. If there's any area in my life where I'm believing lies about you or about myself, Holy Spirit, I give you permission. Show me those areas. Let your love and your light show those areas to me. something in there, I want you to say this, Jesus, I give you permission to heal those areas in my life. I trust you. I believe in you. You have my best interest in mind. I thank you for healing and wholeness. And say this, I receive it in Jesus' name. It's mine in Jesus' name. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.